Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode uh, 140? 140. 140. Wow. I'm your, I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. David McBurney, Final Master, uh, Jedi in training. Sweet. And your man in Japan trying not to wake up the world's cutest co-host, but will probably fail eventually. <laughs> yeah, Michael Baker here. Yep. I can't believe you haven't customized your lightsaber. Uh, uh, I'm sticking with the blue lightsaber until I earn a better color. Did you at least get some more SS flasks? No. Well, this is going to end very poorly for you. And no one knows what we're talking about, but that's okay. It's fine. He's, he's For those not watching the stream, Wheels was playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order during the recording of this episode so yeah. may occasionally trash talk him while he does this which so far seems to be a wonderful little game but I haven't played much of it because I don't know some other RPG came out on the same day now the so, uh, pocket monsters pocket pocket mans it's a digimon digimans mm-hmm. yeah. I can't keep the charade up Pokemon Sword and Shield are out yes. they're good really good Really and, uh, good, uh, especially the music, which isn't always the case for Pokemon games. It's up and down. There's a lot of good yeah. ones. Uh, uh-huh. Wheels the, just wander right off a ledge. The especially the gym battle theme in this one is, mm-hmm. uh, it's fantastic. They're very nice. They're very pretty. Yeah. They uh, they produced one of the funniest glitches that has appeared all year. <laughs> Should we talk about that? Are you talking about the Roku thing? The Roku thing, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so for those who missed this uh, blip of a story, um, Pokemon Sword and Shield, when it uh, tries to send out information to work out if there are po- copies of Pokemon running on the same Wi-Fi network, mm-hmm. it uh, blasts out data that certain... Uh, varieties of Roku think is Roku data and it reads the byte code as, oh, reboot. And it just reboots forever. But what is Roku? Roku, oh yeah, these probably don't exist in Japan. Uh, Roku is a like thing that you attach to your TV to get streaming services. Yeah, and some TVs have it, have like the service built built in. Like mine. Yeah. Which thankfully was not affected by this because I was watching, uh, sitting there playing on the Switch while watching TV, and uh, yeah, the children use the Roku all the time, so yeah, there would have been lots uh, of complaining. The the thing that's that's funny to me is that this apparently isn't the first Switch game to do this. The first one to do this was apparently Diablo Three of all things, but. <laughs> This was apparently a point where, like, enough of these were happening all... Like, enough people were playing this all at once that it became a problem. <laughs> so. That's fun. Programming is complicated. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I feel like somebody dropped the ball. <laughs> oh, definitely someone dropped the ball. Yeah. Although, like, depending upon the report... Like, the report I was reading... Most recently, like the initial assumption was that they had programmed it in such a way that it was like getting junk data 
and crashing really hard over and over. But the most recent report I said was that it actually, it's just that some of the data that Pokemon sends out is the exact, like I said, the exact same byte code as the reboot command. That's Which makes it more like a freak of nature accident. Yeah. But, yeah. Why is it always uh, spiders? Wheels uh, is getting completely trashed. Because uh, the netherlies would be snakes. Why is it always snakes? I like snakes. Snakes wow. are cool. So you Spiders and Jones can just uh, switch out then. Hmm. Good idea. Yeah, this is... Uh, uh, also been playing this game in addition to too many other games. I have somehow been playing like four games at once. There's a lot of game. Yeah. yeah. I have I have not even started Dragon Quest eleven. Yeah, I've I've put well, that one bad I, buddy. I, I take I take that back. I mean I've been I've played the demo. You haven't meaning you haven't gotten to the point that's not covered by the yes, demo. Exactly. You've still got sixty hours of game left. Uh let's see. I've been Doing more Witcher 3? I got to one of those decisions that's very, like, textbook Witcher games, which is to say, well, this sucks regardless of what you chose. Yeah. Should I should I hold back on talking about that, or...? Nah. Let you're it all about, out. You're talking about the plague stuff, right? Uh, no, not the plague stuff this time. Okay. Uh, this is, like... A situation near the end of the first major areas plot where like you just find these like horrible swamp witches that have information you need and they tell you to go deal with like a problem that involves like killing this ancient spirit and that ancient spirit confirms to you that those that those witches are intending to essentially just eat a bunch of orphans like literally oh <laughs> oh okay I'm not sure okay, if you're referring then. to oh okay to what's happening in the game where you're almost getting wrecked or if no, you're referring no no the witches the witches yeah so there's these these they're intending to you know uh, apparently eat a bunch of orphans <laughs> if you if you help uh, if you help this spirit though this spirit is definitely not of sound mind and then like due to having been trapped in a tree for like thousands of years gets pissed off and go kills a vi- kills a village so it's basically like who are you okay with dying <laughs> jesus it's the witcher somebody went grimdark <laughs> it's the witcher it's mostly it's it's very sad hellhole europe you can climb up the wall there i wandered around this place for a well, while well hey there's that other quest you told me about too where the good ending was somebody dying horrifically right <laughs> it, yeah they uh they they kiss a plague maiden to <laughs> to uh, try to resolve a curse and it kills them and that's the good ending because the bad ending is uh, them <laughs> is you take the plague maiden's earthly remains back to the village they bury it and it comes back to life and kills the village because it's a plague maiden <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> one of the weird things about playing the witcher is like going and looking up like all the weird things that you're killing and it's like no this is the thing that this is a weird, messed-up version of a thing that exists in folklore, and that keeps happening. Are the developers of The Witcher things. Are, are the developers of The Witcher okay? Has anyone checked on them? <laughs> they live in Poland, so okay, maybe. never mind. <laughs> they wow. live in Poland, and they're making and they're swimming in euros. Yeah, pretty much. So they're uh, pretty fine. <laughs> 
yeah, they'll be they'll be fine. But yeah, so that's that's continuing to go well. It's slowly. There's so much game. There's so so much game. It was a it was a big game before they added a ton of DLC to it. It only <laughs> got bigger. I'm at like level ten. I've been playing the game for like twenty hours. And yet it fits on a single switch cart. Yeah, they really went all out for that. And runs pretty uh, well. Oh yeah, yeah. Like there are bits where it slows down, but as mentioned before, that's those are the same bits that it always slowed down. Game doesn't like rendering swamps. <laughs> but well, hey, yeah. just just means that at some point in the near future you'll be able to play this play The Witcher while watching The Witcher on Netflix. When will it come to Stadia? Oh god. Listen, I had to make at least one joke at Stadia. Uh, yeah. I, I must say, you know, I, I thought the launch of the Stadia was going to be, you know, kind of a disaster. And um, my expectations are, is, you know, were met and then some because it seems worse than I was expecting. I, I've really been just enjoying, like, did you read it? My favorite thing, my favorite absurdity thus far. Did you hear about the Just Dance 2020 thing? Yes, I did. Oh, man. That if you want to play it on a mobile phone, you have to attach the controller to the mobile phone and then attach another mobile phone. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> my other favorite... It's very unwieldy. It's beautiful. <laughs> my other favorite thing is that you... That, like... So it's compatible with phones, but it's not compatible through Android. It's compatible with Google phones. So all the review kits have a Google Pixel 3a XL included because that's the phone that it works on. <laughs> hey, free phone. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they want. I don't. I can't imagine that they want those phones back. I don't know what they're going to do with them. <laughs> I think the Google Pixel 4 is out, so it's just like, well, I'll get rid of our remainder in stock on this. <laughs> Uh, the best, the best thing I saw was the GIF of somebody saying like, "Oh, here's here's me playing Destiny, on like the super gigabit." Yeah, it was the Washington Post review. Yeah, and he like presses the jump button, and then several second late seconds later, his character jumps. That was like the, the, he's like my evaluation of the Google Stadia is this GIF. Yeah. And then if you, like, the most amazing thing to me was I looked at the actual review, and he has, like, a lot of fair nuanced points where it's like, this is a really neat idea when it works. It almost, it, like, it very rarely works even in ideal circumstances. But the thing that was really funny to me was he, uh, he included another GIF that was exactly like that. And at first I assumed, oh, those must be, like, the same. No, it's a GIF from Tomb Raider and that other one. <laughs> and it's having the exact same latency. I mean, I was expecting that... My expectation was, hey, this will actually work pretty decently, but like all the pricing and all the other nonsense behind it was kind of going to ruin it. It looks like it does not really work well <laughs> at all. is, I guess, the yeah. correct process here. Yeah, when I started at the computer a while, uh, 20, 30 minutes ago, I got a pop-up for various news items, and one of them had... It was something about Stadia and... It's like, it, it's only, it's kind of okay when it actually is working. I think it was something, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was very much damning it with faint praise. <laughs> yeah, like, you're shocked that it 
does anything, but it should be doing more than this if you yeah. want. Because it's like it's $130 for the Founders Kit that's like the Chromecast and the controller, plus $60 per game. Yeah. Oh. Well, here we go. Uh, Forbes review. Google Stadia launch review, a technical conceptual disaster. Oh, Ouch. <laughs> yeah. See, and Wired, I think that was the one that got, that got flashed to me. It's getting there. That's a great That's thing a to hear about it's a product you can spend money on right now. Might be good someday. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think the best the best thing, and I can't remember which article this was from, I read was like that, you know, when it works, it's interesting, but when it doesn't, you have no other way to play it. So it's kind of making the point that something like, you know, PS Now or, mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft xCloud, you know, they may quote-unquote cost more, but they actually are a much better product because when there's internet issues, and in this day and age, that's something that happens quite often, um, you can still actually play your freaking games. Still video game. Yeah. After all these years. So, this is kind of like you get what you pay for. Yeah. In this case, you're kind of getting less than you pay for because yeah. it's also going to involve a subscription service. And a, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I could see this for something like smaller scale games, like mobile games, like totally streaming would will probably work pretty well. But for like 4K games, and eventually we're going to jump higher than that. Uh, the internet services out there are not improving not that. they're not built for that and they're not improving enough uh, no. so and they probably can't improve enough yeah I mean certainly they uh, there's very little incentive for them to improve so. yeah. yeah the whole regional monopolization and everything yeah oddly enough I think Japan's probably better set for something like this and they just won't yeah that's one of those things well like that's, that's kind of one of the broader issues is that like Google doesn't seem like they have an audience for this object in mind. Like, the the core gimmick that might draw people in, like the ability to just start playing something, like, just on a whim, doesn't really work between the a la carte nature of how they're selling product and the fact that, like, it... all the complicated setup that it currently has. <laughs> like... I was listening. I was reading out like how you actually have to set it up, and it's like it involves, like it's really hard to pair things. You actually, my favorite thing, might be that you can't buy games through the web interface. You have to buy it through a phone app. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. This, this uh, is starting to sound like the mess with um, Xbox One's how to share a game with your friends. Oh man, yeah. Like that was that was something Microsoft was, to their credit, smart enough to reverse course on. It still yeah. hurt them, but they did. Yeah, but not before Sony was able to counter with an absolutely genius video on how to oh, share absolutely. PlayStation games. Yeah. Hello, friend. Would you like to play this game? Sure. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was like, no. Hello, I'm the president of Sony, um, and I would like to demonstrate how to share a Sony game. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Can't believe that was six years ago. I feel like I'm dying. Yeah. Um, yep. 
Yeah, I yeah, Stadia is something that's fun to continually dunk upon as it continues to yeah, be. Yeah, because screw Google stuff. <laughs> really, really not big on any of these services that offer. Like, I'm fine with these concepts as as. Like, I'm more fine with something like xCloud or PS Now, even though I don't think they work that well, although I admit I've never used uh, xCloud. But on the concept that they are supplements to being able to actually own things. Uh, yeah. Well, and the cool thing about xCloud is that apparently you'll be able to stream from your own Xbox, presumably yeah. with, like, like, directly, not even involving the internet. Be, yeah, well, xCloud, I, I think yeah. the funniest thing was that, like, the day before, like, a couple days ago, like, Microsoft was talking about xCloud, and they were like, yeah, our preview program that is currently in closed beta has over 50 games, which is uh, <laughs> more than the a stadium. good 28 more than currently exist on Stadia. Yes, and assuming they're all uh, Game Pass games... You don't have to buy any of them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're all Game Pass games. Game Pass will be compatible with xCloud, which, yeah. again, like, the the core of this, if you're trying to sell to the, the casual consumer, like, why are you talking about how it's going to be, like, super high-res 4K 120 FPS games? And it's like, that's not... Like, the casual consumer wants a game that functions. Yeah. <laughs> and see... Okay, here's a different review from VentureBeat. Uh, again, I'm just going off of what's available just from looking at it in Google search. Yeah. Title, it works, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm really I'm, I'm shocked that Google search isn't trying to do anything to massage those. Uh. So Google Stadia is here, and it can work really well, but that's not going to matter because Google doesn't know the customers it's trying to win. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, I, apparently the embargo only lifted like 12 hours ago because that's when every single one of these reviews is dated. Yeah, no, the embargo definitely lifted like this morning. I was for a second, I was like, "Is it out yet?" Because like I kept hearing about it as like it's supposed to launch soon, but I didn't care enough to look into when it was going to. Um, Tuesday. Yeah, it's so Tuesday, but tomorrow for you. Yeah, for for like it's only tomorrow for a few more hours, but yeah. Like, I spent a while thinking that, that <laughs> the, the thing had come out and I just hadn't heard about anyone playing it, which wouldn't have been that surprising anyway, given the company I keep. <laughs> but, like, no, it's it's actually... It was just a few days out. I thought it was launching on the 12th. Uh, what else was I going to say? That's actually not the funniest embargo this, uh, this month. Because the funniest embargo this month is Shenmue 3. Oh, boy. Which is due out... Tomorrow, November nineteenth, and Isn't embargo, the embargo like two days after the release date. Yeah, the embargo is November twenty first. Thought they changed that though. I'm yeah, not sure if that's a, even legally. I'm um, not sure how enforceable it'd be, but especially since if if it's a review embargo on any review copies, that means anybody else who just randomly buys, I if I had something that would play, I could just go buy it right now, and yeah. review really fast, and it would be okay. Yep. It's not the first time I've heard of, like... Like, there's a lot of times you'd get silly embargoes, especially for games that had been out for, like, a year in Japan. Or it's like, someone could... Like, you can't talk about this feature, and it's like, well, someone could absolutely talk about that feature, and you would be able to stop them. Uh, uh, 
Haven't I at least once actually done that by accident? Quite possibly, I have, but I'm not sure. You you weren't NDA'd, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, I might have like if it was something like Fantasy Life or Project Crossing, I might have technically beaten an embargo before they announced an embargo. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, a lot of some of this is probably just like if you won't abide by the NDA, we just won't send you a copy, which is probably really the only enforceable measure by it, measure they yeah. have. It is really sad watching wheels get clowned up. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. Poor portion. Well. <sighs> so, maybe, maybe... Should we actually get to some questions or something? That's what I was thinking. We should well, probably hit Let me just those. drop my quit, quick hot take. Shenmue sucks. Okay, let's That's go. Not even on... Okay. That take is 20 years old. It's like the proto-Yakuza. Yeah. It's, it's more like an adventure game. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, okay. That, that's why it's so well-remembered, because it was really weird compared to everything else. That's, it's that's fully kind of reactive eyes entertainment. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's hit one of these questions. This one's uh, from Strawberry Eggs. Uh, saying, I must have posted these too late for last episode's comment section. Yeah, we didn't see them, so presumably. Uh, she she actually posted them after we recorded. Yeah, that's what she meant by, you know, must have posted yeah. them too late, so yeah. Uh, so I'll copy them over here. Borrow a previous question of the week from another RP Gamer podcast. Someone's still muscling in our turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your favorite examples of bad voice acting from an otherwise good actor in an RPG? Or any video game, if you're That's having a hard time. That's a very specific question. <laughs> yeah, it's a very specific one. And, like, it's one of those situations, like, I can... I'm trying to think of, like, situations where it's like, oh, you're good, but your voice direction here is not working out. But I mean, I generally don't know who is voice acting by name, usually. I mean, except I, unless you count John Reese davies as the narrator in Quest for Glory 4, because that was hilarious. <laughs> I was he had a few game roles at the time, actually. Mm-hmm. He had a was few that? game roles at the time. Yeah, that's just the one I remember, especially the line um, at the very start when Mang Harry's picking him up, and it's like, "Okay, make that four burning questions. Just where did your luggage end up this time?" Yeah, but for some reason that line just, I don't know, killed me back when I was fourteen. Uh, okay, sorry. Okay, go on. Any ideas? I'm trying to think of ones that are from like voices that I've heard and know are good in other contexts. Uh, in part because like a lot of my favorite lines are ones that like they come from things where it's like probably not a professional voice actor doing this. Mm-hmm. Like one that sticks in my mind at all times is the PS2 game uh, in Japan it's Zetai Zetsume Toshi in America it's uh, Disaster Report. Which, obviously not like a professional voice actor delivering it, but every few weeks in my brain, the this line resonates through my head, which is a reporter character saying, I have to stay alive and write this article before I die. <laughs> and he just, he delivers it in this very, I have to stay alive and write this article before I die. And then there's like, just your character responds with, well, okay. <laughs> and it's just absolutely dreadful delivery but i love it but again not a professional voice actor doesn't really count uh for the purposes of this question everyone should play disaster report though very unique game 
Um, Interesting. Uh, I don't know if this qualifies as bad, but uh, Waka in Final Fantasy X. Oh, yeah. He's got some really odd deliveries. Yeah. I feel like FF10 is probably a good example because it does have a lot of professional voice actors who do very good jobs, but it's full of delivery hamstrung. Or like the the intentional bad laughter scene that wasn't quite obvious that it was supposed to be really bad laughter. Yeah, like it's it's not even just that, but I mean like a lot of the English voice acting is hamstrung. I've ranted about this before by the fact that they were just sort of in a technical like audio has to match up to an exact number of frames. So pretty pretty awkward in places. Uh there's a there's a bit a line in Persona Four that always sticks out to me, uh, as one of those like very rare lines where someone obviously, like the voice direction just doesn't pull through, and the person obviously doesn't know what context they're saying a line in. Which there's like a point where like Nanako gets told to like bring in the laundry and reason she sounds really annoyed when she's saying I already brought it in it's not like matter of fact as you would expect from that character in that situation it's like I already brought it in and it's like what <laughs> happened <laughs> very strange but yeah like I, I feel like you usually like it, voice direction is usually consistent enough that my brain will skate over it <laughs> But, yeah, you got any wheels? That was really the only one that came to mind. Can't really think of too much else. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's going for the pitfall. Oh, he finally hit the meditation circle. Yeah. You have little face. I mean, you didn't give me a lot of reasons to be faithful. Harsh but fair. Sad but true. Uh, you should probably invest in having more health. Uh, <sighs> do you want this planet for any particular reason other than Clone Wars? Nope. Uh, was how do you get more Estus flask thingies? Uh, you find them in golden boxes. Okay. There's one that you can get right before you leave the first real planet. You'd have to go back. It requires the wall run. This game is awesome. It's very good. Uh, I think you need the next ability you'll get on the next plot planet in order to get any more after that. Let's see. Uh, but yeah, like usually, usually I don't have any particularly like I can't think of any particularly funny bad deliveries in otherwise good uh, dubs so I mean I can think of some oddities here and there in some games but mostly in the in- bit parts in the NPCs mm-hmm. yeah. that's generally where you'll find that sort of thing because those, those people get even less context yeah uh, or just feel like hamming it up yeah yeah uh, another one to follow on 
I know I asked a similar question a few years ago, but what lost or canceled RPGs do you most wish had become a reality or that you're most curious about? Sometimes I really wish we knew about sort of Legendia, that we vaporware game. Uh, we never got much more information than one piece of art, to my knowledge. I actually tracked this game for a number of years because it was a weird thing to get announced by virtue of the fact that Tales of Legendia was not a particularly successful product and not a particularly popular one. So I looked into this at one time. Uh, as far as I can tell, the last piece of information ever given about it was that it probably shouldn't have the name Sword of Legendia because it had nothing to do with that property. <laughs> so we know even less about it than it sounds like. Nice. I can think of a few over here. Um, like, there's this, there's one Gust game that kind of got, sw- got destroyed in whatever happened that led to it, the company getting bought up by Koei Tecmo. Oh, I remember hearing about this. Um, it was called Chrono Mater- Chronos Materia, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be like a um, like your standard like ha- part of a high school class gets stranded on another world, and they're trying to figure out how to do things, and mm-hmm. they have like a, a time manipulation device that they can use to like process items and make things, mm-hmm. alchemy style. Yeah, and afterwards, it, it seems really likely that at least part of the system for this game ended up going into um, into Nora's workshop, the last, their last DS game. Because mm. there are some things in there that just sound very similar to the system as described for the PlayStation, or for the PSP game, Kratos Materia. Mm. So I'm just kind of curious about what could have happened if they had finished that game. So Yeah. yeah. And a different one for the PSP... Uh, level 5's Ushiro. Oh, yeah, I remember reading about this one. Yeah, it, where the main character actually has a minor god of death, a Grim Reaper-type guy, hanging on her back. And mm-hmm. they walk around trying to solve uh, mysteries and fight battles and things. Yeah, it's always weird when something... Like, I think Ushiro got far enough along that they showed it to people, which is always, like, when it becomes yeah. weird that something got cancelled. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there's other things like King of Pirates for uh, yeah, KS, which we only had like like part of a promotional video for. Yeah, there's like a concept trailer that's still floating around. Yeah, I think we still have it on the old site. Yeah, I know it's definitely still on YouTube. So he's like pirate penguins. Yay! Yeah, it's, it was a very cute idea. The romance of the Three Kingdoms. Yeah, <laughs> there's always new ways to reinterpret that. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, going back to even more tragic, Mithri. Ah, oh, poor Mithri. Which, I'm, which I believe did... I mean, I'm sure most of these actually got mentioned the last time she asked this question, like three years ago. Yeah, I know we did talk about Mithri. What a weird... What a weird yeah. situation. I saw the one of the people who worked on that reminiscing about it recently. <laughs> yeah. Well, if ever there was a time to figure out how to re-release... Or actually release the thing. I don't think it was ever actually finished, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think of like because there's a lot of ones where it's like it's fairly obvious that this was in development at some point and it went away. But I'm trying to think of ones that actually got far enough that they officially announced them. Because mm-hmm. like then, without if you don't do that, you get into things that it's like oh, like the version of Dragon Age Four that it's known to have been canceled sounds really neat, and we're never going to get it. Uh, <laughs> 
Like that that's kind of a that that always feels like cheating because it's just like, well, we know very little about this, so it's mostly being filled in by the mind. Uh this isn't an RPG, but uh, since Wheels is playing a Star Wars game, it is a recent casualty, which is the uh, <laughs> the Star Wars game that was being directed by Amy Hennig, the director of the first three Uncharted games. Yeah. Which, you know, that looked neat. I would have played that. Uh, speaking of, she just got uh, she just got a new job, actually. Sweet. Uh, now working for Skydance, I think, as part of a newly formed game division for them. Interesting. Let's see. Yeah, Skydance Media for a new game studio. So. Yeah, it is finally. It is nice to finally see a decent Star Wars game come out, come out of EA. <laughs> One so that is not mired in microtransactionary. I mean, if you ignore the microtransaction nonsense for a second. The Star Wars Battlefront games are not very good. You don't love Battlefield, but worse? No, I don't. Oh, God, I love how much this area is just designed to clown on you. <laughs> like, it's just designed to, like, oh, there's something lurking around the corner and you weren't paying enough attention. This is totally Dark Souls Uncharted Star Wars, and I love it. I've also got some Metroid. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I made the joke to you. It's like someone made this game just for us because this like Kinda. checks this checks all the boxes. It checks all the boxes that both of us can agree upon. Yeah, <laughs> I told you. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of other ones that actually. Oh, here's one that hurts. There wasn't an announced Skies of Arcadia two once upon a time. Oof. Oh yeah. They never showed it, but they did announce that it was in p- development. <laughs> that one hurt. That's rough. One day we also will understand why that one hurt. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that one always. Anytime that that pops back into my head, I ache a little further. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we never got any information on that, not even some artwork on it. So even less trace of that than sort of Legendia. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't here's one, I don't know if anything of it ever existed. Mm-hmm. But I do mourn that there was never a third version of Pokemon X and Y. There is absolutely evidence that that was in development. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of reference well not the least of which is the existence of Zygarde right. but yep. the, the developers uh, actually admitted in at least one interview that they had scrapped Pokemon Z to work on Pokemon Sun Moon so oh, well I'm okay with that yeah. trade off then <laughs> yeah it's like that's one of the yeah. things that often ends up being the case it's like Sometimes something doesn't end up happening because they're more interested in working on something else and like yeah. you don't really and, want to lose and to it. Be honest, and to be honest, Pokemon Z was not really that big of a loss. I mean, yeah, a third I, version. It would have been nice to have an improved version of those games, but Sun and Moon was better anyway, so... Yeah, it's sad nice. because Kalos could have used the second pass, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like I'd still rather we've gotten Sun and Moon, so... Yeah. 
I love but, me uh, some Sun and Moon. Yep. Let's see. But yeah, there's there's a lot of circumstantial and direct evidence that Pokemon Z was a thing being made at one time. Let's see. Uh this is, would be a cancelled localization and it's like not the worst thing in the world but I am still sad about it which is that we never got uh, Persona 2 Innocent Sin not Innocent Sin, Eternal Punishment PSP which had an extra scenario that we of course never got yeah. uh, uh, that was one of those ones where it was like well Atlas releases things in the west far after it makes sense to of course it's going to happen Oh, wait. Speaking of Atlas, I just thought of something. They published a game that I'm still very sad <laughs> was cancelled many years later, and I've complained about this many times, and I will complain about it many times again. Steambot Chronicles 2. IRM. Bodies. I know that you're a pachinko company now, but sell it to Granzella and let them make it. <laughs> uh, it was it was such a relaxing sort of adventure. You could invent a guitar. Uh, they showed a trailer for it on PS3 in, like, 2007, and then never spoke of it again. <laughs> uh, Wheels needs to get better at deflecting blaster bolts. <laughs> Have you considered <laughs> deflecting blaster bolts? Listen. Well, sometimes it's easier said than done. I'm not quite sure what this game's mechanics are like or the controls, but press, press. Um, I'm, I've been struggling with my own game a bit, and it's yeah. not fun. It's press the block um, button at the right time. It's, a, it's the same as the parry command. Yeah. But what? What? Uh, here's something that will calibrate my expectations. What difficulty are you playing on? Well, that's not important. I'm curious. It's not important. Easy. <laughs> no, he's not playing on easy. The fairy timing on that's super generous. I'm playing on hard. Okay, same. Like I, I looked at it and I was like, the parry timing on normal mode seems too simple. <laughs> yeah. I was I was going to cut you more slack if you had picked Grandmaster. Which... No, I wouldn't pick that. But I I figured that the like the hard mode in this was not like a hard mode in like other games. <laughs> I appreciate how much information it gives the player. Like when you, when you pick a difficulty mode, it gives you like information oh about Jesus. how much health enemies have, how much damage they do, and what it does to the window for parry timing, <laughs> which is interesting. But yeah, Jedi Fallen Order, it's good. Um, it's very good, and sold very well, but. Not as good as Battlefront, so I hate you all. It's it's only been out a couple days. Okay, 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 okay. Word of mouth might help that too. Uh, I believe in Europe, in uh, Britain, which is the first place to report sales in this case, it sold more than Pokemon Shield, but less than Pokemon Sword. Yes. Which is a truly spectacular <laughs> statement to be yes. able to make. And also the double pack made the top ten, too. Yeah, that's. I love that there are enough people that are that crazy. Hey, what are you trying to say? I, that you have more money than sense, which I think we've all agreed on for many years. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, in, at least this time, it was like, okay, my kid's going to play one version, and I'm going to play the other. 
So which one are you playing? Shields. I grabbed shield as well because I had several friends playing swords. So. Yeah, I figured that would be the less popular version. So the second named version is always less popular unless yeah. it's it's uh, the only situation I can think of where that was not the case was that uh, silver sold more than gold, but that's because Lugia had just been in a movie. Uh. <laughs> Otherwise, like red sold better than blue. Uh, Ruby sold better than Sapphire Diamond sold better than Pearl Black sold better than White X sold better than Y Sun sold better than Moon Haters I basically always buy the second named version Just because of that There's always There always ends up being more people To trade for the sort, for the first version's Pokemon Sun's so gonna say it Solgaleo is a chump Lunala forever Thank you Well <laughs> I've come to Wheels TED Talk to just listen to that again. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's hit some of these questions before we just descend into more of Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I'm just sitting back and listening because I have no idea what we're talking about. You know, I was talking about, if you want to talk about control issues, I'm on the final boss of Luigi's Mansion and having issues. Uh, huh. I remember yeah. playing that, but only way back in the day, so... So, I mean, I, I know exactly what I need to do. It's just a matter of the fact that the things I need to hoover up with the vacuum cleaner will actively damage me if I do it the wrong way. Oh, which yeah. Is, yeah. Which the wrong way looks exactly the same as doing it the right way. Yeah, and, that, that boss uh, fight is annoying. And aiming the things to shoot at the boss's stomach is hard because you can't always tell the direction that you're shooting them in properly. Mm-hmm. And you have to be pretty accurate on hitting them in the belly. Yeah. So um, I'm finding myself liking Luigi's Mansion 2 a lot more just because they had a better time with the mechanics, the physics, and the controls. I was about to mock myself for describing Luigi's Mansion as back in the day, but then I realized that that game is legally an adult now, so... <laughs> yeah, that counts. <sighs> yeah, they keeps on slipping. They've really improved that series since they made it a series. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it. It was not a series for like twelve years. Yeah, yeah but three three is pretty great. My son and I just beat it over the weekend. And I need to get back. And, and let me tell you, some of those final bosses, I don't know how you would do that by yourself. So I'm really appreciating the co-op. I'm excited <laughs> to find out how much I can lecture wheels on how to do it by yourself. I... <laughs> they really, yeah. really lean into Guiji having to do stuff at the same time. Luigi. Which presumably means you just have to leave Luigi sitting around. And Sometimes I... you just hide him in a nook and cranny. Yeah. And just hope. Well, I don't want to spoil any of the bosses, but there are no nooks and crannies for this I'm not boss fight. Uh, let's see. Good times. To hit on the next question from Budai. How much do you expect the next Zelda game to have a more experimental design? I don't expect it to have a terribly experimental design. I think they have hit upon something that they want to iterate upon. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be Breath of the Wild, but with more stuff. I think it'll have a different world, or at least a touched a diff, a slightly like rearranged world, in the same way that something like yeah. Black and White Two have a rearranged world. Yeah. But I think that like 
that that was probably part of the reason they announced it as Breath of the Wild, a sequel to Breath of the Wild in specific, right. was that it allows them to largely reuse areas, but to redesign them. So that'll be interesting. But I suspect that we're going to see iterations on this gameplay formula for a while, since yeah. there's still a lot of places to go with it. Maybe they reintroduce dungeons. Uh, that, that would be my guess because I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things they could do with dungeons with those types of mechanics, especially if they do the same thing where they basically give you all the abil- abilities right away. Because you know there were a lot of neat puzzles in the little shrines, but I think if you kind of coalesce a lot of those ideas into a dungeon, it could be really cool. So yeah, it'll uh, be interesting to see where they go with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah i think uh like the the question probably at least in part stems from the idea that this is the most direct sequel since majora's mask like it's the first time that like one game has followed directly on from another with the same link yeah but i you know i think i think that that's going to they they'll probably intersperse very different things into this world but i think that the structure of like the big open world is going to be something they continue to iterate upon and find some way of taking all the neat toys away at first if breath of the wild is any indication the only thing they're really going to have to take away is your master sword <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it'll well, be interesting they might points yeah yeah but they don't have to explain that link just got fat over time um (laughs) not even fat just out of shape (laughs) those don't have to be the same thing um let's see Uh, yeah i I, like is there anything we would want to see in the next one i guess this would be a main wheels thing since we both played breath of the wild just dungeons yeah, dungeons would be nice. That's yeah. the thing I would most like to see. I, I wouldn't mind seeing like a town like uh, Clock Town, not in the sense of like the time structure, but in the sense of being as densely packed with stuff. Like a, a major hub? Not even necessarily a hub, though a hub would make the most sense, but just like Clock Town is great because like the people who are in it are always doing things and there's like something important about every area every day. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much you can do that without the looping structure, but I would be interested. I mean, I also was a big fan of Skyloft, which was also kind of similar, but did not have time structure. So let's see. Uh, Another one from Budai. Which character in the FF7 remake series has the most potential to have their personality fleshed out? Yuffie. Maybe Ketseth, but Yuffie mostly. Yeah. Because, like, that, that's kind of the thing. By ma- like Yuffie and Vincent are definitely going to be characters you cannot avoid this time. Mm-hmm. And that'll be an interesting question as well. Like, where do they put them in? Like, where do they mm-hmm. make you get them? But... I think it's one of those situations where because uh, because they're the 
characters that you couldn't be guaranteed to have, their stories and personalities are generally less fleshed out. And But Vincent still has, like, a series of uh, scenes on his backstory, whereas Yuffie just has, like, the one time in Wutai. Yeah. And to go beyond that, like, even the... I mean, for that matter, Vincent has secondary games based around him. Yeah, yeah. And his Bad backstory. secondary games, but secondary games. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, Yuffie doesn't have much. And to go to go beyond that, also, like, the, the sections they've shown of the FF7 remake have shown that they're going to put more emphasis on Wutai as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like, they mention... Uh, there's, like, a point where, like, President Shinra in that one of the trailers blames, like, implies that Wutai is funding Avalanche. Which... And, and this would be a nice change of, like, actually expanding areas of a game outside of the primary continent, because that's one of the issues I've always had with world building in a Final Fantasy game, mm. is you tend to have a lot of stuff clustered on the first continent, and then everything outlying it on the world map is almost uninhabited. There will be just an entire continent that has one place. <laughs> exactly. And that was Wutai in 7. Yeah, um, Wutai, you didn't even ever have to go to that landmass, which was even more amazing. Yep. You had to go looking for it. Very strange. Yeah. But I, yeah. I would add Kate Shi to this list, just Same. because his actual character, you barely ever meet. Yeah, and they've shown his actual character in the trailer as well, so... I mean... Yeah, his actual character was um, was, it, was a member of the Turks Reeve? or something. No, it's yeah, not. It's he, not a Turk. He's a Shinra exec, but yeah, yeah. Reeve. So and like yeah. that's that's something that like is super important. But you yes, fall down that hole. Um, but that that's an aspect of character that's like super interesting. But you could actually go the entire game without ever even realizing it due to a mix of it not being very emphasized and it being badly translated. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that could definitely move up too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, those are the two I would say have the most potential in terms of uh, the old party members. I think the emphasis on Midgar might also give Biggs Wedge and Jesse a chance to actually have more character. Mm-hmm. Uh, which might make it actually quite sad if and when they die again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to about them fleshing out Midgar is that these these sections that have had to, by their nature, be very truncated and give you like a very... Uh, short, quick uh, snapshot of why you should care can suddenly afford to go bigger and longer. So. Mm-hmm. Next March is going to have too many video games. So, you know. It's a, that is a first world problem right there. Yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake and Animal Crossing fight each other to the death. Um, What's an Animal Crossing? <laughs> what? What's an Animal Crossing? It's the thing well, where you it's go on an island. animals love each other really much. <laughs> and then one of them abandons the other on an island. Does anybody still play yep. this? Uh, I know they do. I'm being in the jerk. Some 15 million people. I'm being a jerk. <laughs> or uh, we'll find the, the Let's Play fan fiction horror story. 
Oh, that uh, thing. Oh, I don't want to remember that. That that was that was an excellently done bit of horror. Oh. Freaky as hell, and probably better if you've never actually played the game. Do I want to know what this is? It's an old something awful LP. That's an interesting combination of Animal Crossing and creative writing exercise. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's a it's a, a literal horror story. Yeah. Um, Okay. That, that's probably about as much as you can say with that. Uh, and from that, people will be able to gauge how much they want to hear about it. It yep. should probably... I think it's still on LP archives. So yeah, it should be pretty easy to find. Yeah, if you're interested, go go digging and you'll find something. Okay. Anyway, let's see. Other questions. Have you ever loved a game but have trepidation to recommend it? <laughs> Boy, howdy. <laughs> Several, but partly it says because sometimes the updated versions or the parts the versions actually went to America weren't quite as good. Mm. That'll happen. Mm. I mean, like, like when I'm not on this podcast, I always have to like give someone a third degree about how much they actually want a weird game when they're thinking about playing a saga game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, several of the saga games I would have trepidation in recommending it. Um, I mean, not even the most obvious worst case scenario, but several not of the even others. unlimited. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, like, I just remember playing um, like Nino Kuni, um, the PS3 game, and <sighs> thinking, "Oh, damn! I am so glad I will not be writing the review for this." That was such a such a frustrating game. <laughs> yes, uh, especially after I loved the DS version enough to give it my only. Five out of five score, ever. That's uh, that's one of those grand life disappointments. Yep. And and then there was the impression for Metal Max Xeno, where I'm like, Oof. okay, I'm trying not to damn this thing with faint praise because I mean, I massively love the series, and I honestly, I'm not sure if I can actually recommend this game. Um. So this is a, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. For that matter, I think Moon is going to be similar because it's an awesome game and it is so weird. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Odd is weird as some of the stuff that that company's made afterwards, but still weird. Oh, definitely. Extremely weird. Apparently, Indonesia was in even wor- weirder. <laughs> so. uh, let's see. I think one of the best um, examples for me I can think of would be uh, Natural Doctrine. A game <laughs> I, I really enjoyed, but it like goes completely against the normal expectations for a strategy strategy RPG for people. So I really, it's really hard for me to recommend it to anyone because it's mm. just going to rub people the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I get that. Others. I get the feeling a lot when I'm talking about triace games I like. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I would love I to, mean, I would love to recommend Resonance to Fate, Resonance of Fate to everyone. But you're either gonna really click with it or despise it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I will recommend Beyond the Labyrinth to anybody just because it is poetry and simplicity. Yeah. However, I would still have to recommend to them uh, recommend it to them in Japanese, which is going to be the main sticking point. <laughs> yeah. Don't, uh, well, maybe one day we'll get that ported to something else. Oh, I hope so, dudes, because that was just awesome. Did you try it anymore, Wheels? I have not played it in a bit, but 
it's certainly certainly very good at sucking you in because it, there's n- literally like nothing else like it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you, when we get technical, I mean, it really is just a dungeon crawl wizardry style, but at the same time, it is absolutely nothing like wizardry. Yep. And that's yep. that's a good thing. Too. Yeah. That's one of those things that's that's rough because like a lot of my a lot of things that fall in this are games that nothing really plays like this, which means it's really hard to work out whether someone would like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you can at least make the basic judgment of it has dungeon floor maps that you have to traverse. You can see enemies from a slight distance, and you use a color-based magic system to hit everything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and, just like uh, yeah. But I mean, just in general, like when a lot of the games that like I feel that I feel the most strongly about are also games that fit in this category of I'm not sure how to recommend them, mm-hmm. and like in particular, this kind of experience, uh, like they they tend to mean a lot to me. But at the same time, like there's a very good chance that if I recommend them to someone, they're just going to be like I don't have time in my life for this. <laughs> yeah. I generally just write a review. Yes. Though, yeah. I, need, though I have I've like got three reviews on paper that I need to type up eventually. <laughs> I actually typed up one, but I typed it up into a text file and did not save it, and then my computer spontaneously rebooted overnight. Oh, oh fantastic. No. It does that occasionally. I'm not sure why. Um, but yeah, so I just need to type it all up again and look up some look up some names for music composers again. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that would be the interesting to recommend uh, Blazor Drive in that case. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see what else to say. Uh, another good one I can think of is also a strategy RPG would be like any Disgaea game because <laughs> there are so many different ways to play them that, you know, uh, like take Disgaea 3, for example. I loved playing through the campaign of that game had a lot of fun with it, but somebody else may You could up... play it in a way that's anti-fun. Right. <laughs> and it's... that might just be your instinct of how to play it. Right. There's just so many like yeah. weird systems and stuff in that game that someone could just unintentionally set themselves in a bad path and just not have any fun with the game whatsoever. And mm-hmm. it's dif- Those games are difficult to recommend. They're difficult to review. And and Disgaea Five can just go to hell. Still angry. Still angry. Yes. I mean, it, uh. Uh, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Like he he brings up uh, Death Stranding, which is another one that I think is very good as an example for this because it it looks like other games but doesn't really play like them and whether you like it or not it's going to depend a lot upon your disposition as a person and it's hard to find other landmarks to weigh it against so well it sounds like a very interesting game with a wonderful message that I probably would not enjoy playing at all meanwhile like but I'm glad it got made I don't I wouldn't like I'm not gonna like it's it's a game that I really enjoy. Like I'm with you there, Buddha. But it's also one of those ones where I understand like not being able to just tell people go out and buy it. Cause it's like yeah, you know how much do you enjoy uh, a game that at the very start you could uh, like the core gameplay to start with is 
trying not to trip while you're walking down a mountain. <laughs> so, it's uh, like a lot of times the thing that I come to with these sorts of things is that I end up saying like it's uh, trying to describe what its core appeal is and then saying if you want something that sounds vaguely like that and also doesn't really play like anything else. You just want to prepare people in what ways you can. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes they... Sometimes it resonates and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and then if they're... Uh, if that person is wheels, then I yell at them for the next several years about not having played it. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Here's one we can all have fun with. Uh, what game do you think has the greatest sprite work? By what definition? Mm. Or by what standard? I am going to... I would mm -hmm. generally choose to go with ones that don't... Like I, I kind of tacitly remove Vanillaware from this discussion because they've done a lot of great sprite work, but also they use a technique that is very different from what I think of as traditional sprite work. Yeah. Mm. Well then, I would like to nominate *Romancing Saga* too. It's got a really because, art. yeah, because I mean, it is a mid-late period Super Famicom game. So obviously, there have been games that came later and did more colors or um, other fancy tricks. But at the same time, this is a game that has like was it 36 or 38 playable character classes plus a couple special characters, and had full like like eight to ten different poses for every sprite. There's a lot of art in that game. <laughs> yep. And um, it basically it took all of the monster sprites and made and used like modular design and flip arounds and color swaps and managed to make a very very expansive bestiary where you could often tell what a monster could do just by looking at it and how it was different from a different monster that was the same variety right next to it. Mm -hmm. So things like that. So um. Just for, I mean, it, it's got more monsters than, like, the last three Final Fantasies put together, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that may be hyperbole, but not much. I mean, it's certainly got, like, three times more monsters than Final Fantasy IX ever had. Because mm -hmm. Final Fantasy IX only had, like, one palette swap, period. <coughs> yeah. yeah. Let's see. Like... I'm trying to avoid the usual suspects because you know, like you get something like Symphony of the Night and that does have amazing sprite work, but Final Fantasy three slash six. It's a pretty looking game. Chrono Trigger is probably a prettier looking game, but I would put Chrono Trigger above Final Fantasy Six. I mean Final yeah. Fantasy Six also had the super deformed overworld sprites and other things and anything that you could put the Super Nintendo Final Fantasies on, you could probably get uh, Romancing Saga two and three as better examples. Also, they don't have that situation where you're doing uh, Mode 7 chocobos and being very confused by what happened to the world map. Uh, well, I just think yes. they did a lot with like the emoting of the sprites in they are very Final Fantasy VI. But I would, like, my yeah. argument would be that uh, Chrono Trigger does it, but more so. Probably, yeah. No, I can't really argue with Listen, no, there aren't any animals in FF6 that suddenly grow like bulging biceps, and I think that that's a problem. <laughs> Um, trying to think of 
Oh, this is not an RPG, but uh, the the suspects that a lot of the greatest sprite work ended up in fighting games, naturally. So, yeah. Third Strike, uh, Street Fighter Three, mm. is like I don't know that any sprite will ever look better. There are higher resolution sprites. I don't know that there are any that look better. Uh, yeah, and Capcom's Eternal Rival SNK pulling. Some truly heroic, uh, like, art out of the, at the time, like, decade-old Neo Geo hardware with Garou Mark of the Wolves. Uh, if you've never looked at that, that's crazy. Uh, there is, like, one non-sprite object in that game, and it looks like absolute trash, and I love it, but it's also not a sprite. Uh, <laughs> there is, like, one background where they were like, oh, Kids love 3D. Here's a, here is a looping GIF of a CG helicopter, and it looks like trash. But all the character sprites in that game are gorgeous and incredibly expressive. Uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of like those, those last the, that late era for uh, Capcom when they were still doing sprite work is crazy. Their JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game is also nuts looking. But, I mean, that's, you would expect nothing less. You would expect nothing less, but there's a reason that they made a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game, and they made it only on Capcom uh, CPS 3 with Street Fighter 3 and not on CPS 2 with, like, Street Fighter Alpha. They wanted to get as much detail into that art as possible to try to match Hirohiko, Hirohiko Araki's art. And, oh boy, they sure did. That's a gorgeous game. So yeah, uh, go go look up some sprite sheets of late era, <laughs> late era like uh, SNK and Capcom games from like 2000. Oh, and of course the, the uh, obvious uh, continuation of that crown for a while was uh, Arc System Works work on uh, Guilty Gear before Exard and uh, Blaze Blue. Both have excellent sprite work. Um, although I admit, again, I still kind of prefer the look of Street Fighter 3. Let's see. Um, on that tip, Budai also asked, do you think the next Dragon Quest will also have a 2D mode, or is that a special one-time thing? Probably a one-time thing. I could go either way on it. Like... The 2D mode exists to service the kind of player that just wants Dragon Quest to always sort of exist in that sort of 8 to 16-bit haze. <laughs> and I mean, it's a lot of work, which is the real thing. Like, a lot of work to make it play nice with the 3D mode. They have to redesign maps. Uh, it's just a very... I, like, it's one of those things where, like, I could see them doing it because it's Dragon Quest, it's their premier product, and they spare no expense for it. But I can also see them cutting it because it's a ton, a ton of work. So, toss-up, I guess. I mean, they, they do like the, the 2D stuff just as a callback to their older core audience. Yeah, I think that we'll probably still see the 2D mode. At least, it it might not be in Dragon Quest XII, but I think it will still keep showing up. 
Like, it becomes a question of, it might not be in all of them, but I think it will keep happening until, like, we're all, like, 50, and the very oldest part of Dragon Quest's audience is just starting to die. (laughs) So, you know, that's morbid. Didn't want to think about it that way. Uh, (laughs) But we can hit this last one from uh, Potty M3. Uh, with Persona getting theirs, what's the next franchise that needs a Musou game? None. <laughs> Hush. Oh, come on. Puyo Final, Puyo. Final Fantasy. Oh, man. I was going to say Pokemon. Come on, Puyo Musou. We, we need Puyo oh. Musou. <laughs> Musou Monogatari. Uh, that doesn't really scan, given the Mado part is the part that might actually help <laughs> clarify that that's yeah. Mado Monogatari. Mado Musou, yeah. Yeah, Mato Musou might work out better. No, Puyo's. We need just Puyo Pio all the time. Or Pong Musou. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Hey, I still remember from the 90s, somebody made a Pong combat game. Yeah. Listen, let's just go back to that idea I suggested like 100 episodes ago and just say Madden Musou. Um, But that's just a general football game. Yeah, I just, no, no. I, I want specifically, like, a combination of I want there to be one team per each of the three kingdoms. Like, they need to cameo as, like, actual football teams. But also, I just want this to be a situation where, like, you're, being you're like, a quarterback being marauded by, like, 500 players coming towards you. <laughs> you juke in a circle, and it causes lasers to start flying around. Madden warns you not to pursue Lubu in the commentator's box. <laughs> I maintain that this is the best choice I've ever had, but also uh, Final Fantasy Musou, probably a fair idea. Puyo Puyo yeah, Musou. It wouldn't be too different from Dissidia. Yeah, kind of. Especially when they made that three-on-three Dissidia. <laughs> yeah. Puyo Puyo Musou. I feel like everyone would just be throwing Puyos at each other. I need to know what everyone's weapons would be. I mean, that's half of it. It's like random magic stuff and then Puyos. Yeah. I remember that Samurai uh, Musou game where they gave one character a Kendama as a weapon. That was a choice. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, but yeah, and I would say my other uh, choice would be Pokemon Musou. Huh. I think that that would be interesting. Listen, every Musou game, every Dynasty Warriors game, for some reason, in the PS2 era, at the very least, I haven't played them since, but at the time, they would label your kills as KOs, and that just fits Pokemon perfectly. I was going to say, Pokemon Musou, there's that free-to-play um, 3DS game. Uh, uh, that that was effectively a Pokemon Musou. Hmm. Didn't remember... Oh, wait, no, I remember what that is. How about a good one? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? But yeah, no, I mean, it's even better now. They got Gigantamax Pokemon that can be bosses now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got uh, an excuse to call down the list to a smaller set. Um, I mean, they've got all sorts... There's all sorts of... like I, I mean, I just want an excuse to kill a hundred Mr. Mimes. I want them all gone. What about the new evolved Mr. Mime? I hate him even more. He so, did, I ever show you the, uh, did I ever show you the made-up um, 
the uh, one I did, it was a uh, like a dark psychic Mr. Mime evolution. No, I don't think I saw that. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> oh no, his name was Presto. Um, let's see if I he's somewhere in my Facebook image folder. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, because I used to just make these things up for the fun of it, while um, as a reward for students. That's fun. <laughs> yep. So, oh, here we go. Mike Amon. Gotta catch them all. I gotta draw them all in this case. There we go. There's Presto. Listen, you draw them to capture their souls. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Where? Okay. Where's the thing here? There we go. Really, really stupidly long thing to link. There we go. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I find him unsettling, but that's also correct, so we're fine. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, black magic Pokemon, he could use curse like a ghost type, stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. That's on brand. Speaking of that, have you guys seen the new version of Meowth in the new games? Oh, I love him. He's a nightmare. The uh, Gigantamaxed version, who's that's like long cat is long. Well, that one, no, but there's a Galar region variant of Meowth. Yeah, Galarian Meowth, who is. Uh... Oh, they made actually made a new version. They did. Not like the uh, slightly stoned-looking Alolan Meowth. Correct. <laughs> no, no, he's a. Uh... Viking-esque? Yes, and he's a steel type. And he has a different evolution than regular Meow. Yep. His evolution's name is really is a really good dumb pun. What is the name? Perserker. Yep, Perserker. Seriously? <laughs> that <laughs> looks weird. He's like a terrible little Viking man. He's like... Yeah, I thought... Here's the thing. I thought he was just really furry, and, and then you see the back of him, and... It looks like, it's a, like a beard. Yeah, it looks like a normal Meowth, except he's got a beard or something. It's, it's not like he's super furry and it goes all the way around his body. It's like a weird Yeah, he's not beard. huge. He's just like, right. he's got a big beard. <laughs> so weird. That is... I love that. That is, okay. It's like, what? It's like, I'm thinking where the wild things are. A little bit. Yeah, I can see that. It's got that aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Perserker is a wonderful name, uh, and I am always up for new forms of Meowth, so. I just love the idea of regional variants. I love how much Pokemon, like, I was thinking about, like, why Pokemon appeals to me in a way that, like, other things that knocked off Pokemon don't, and part of it was that Pokemon loves to do things that's like, oh, this is an animal, and that's why it does this thing. <laughs> Like, this is an animal, and sometimes they come in weird variants that you only see in one place, or, like, they adapt to whatever happens to be nearby. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Pokemon does that in a way that basically no Pokemon knockoff does. Like, mm -hmm. if you ever go, like, because you can go looking through Pokedex entries, and they're just full of just baffling information. Uh, my, my favorite that I discovered... Uh, recently was the Mankey and Primate uh, Pokedex entries. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see if I can pull some of these up because 
Like they, they are, of course, all about how both of them are profoundly angry at all times. <laughs> but they all in, introduce these horrifying new tidbits. Oh, I love the uh, the tidbits about Mimikyu. Oh, the Mimikyu <laughs> ones are like Mimikyu's are great, but like I just love uh, this one's from Pokemon Moon. Its raging tires it out and causes it to fall asleep, but the anger resonating in its dream causes it to wake up, which infuriates it all over again. Oh, <laughs> poor little guy. It's just furious at all times. If one gets angry, all the others around it will get angry, so silence is a rare visitor to a troop of Mankey. <laughs> I mean, that's why they usually have the the veins popping out on their head. Yeah, furious at all times but there's also one that like then you'll get the ones that are just really morbid and it's like you start wondering what is this doing in this game about how <laughs> children should love their pokemon because it's just stuff like uh let's see it is as pokemon sun says about primate it has been known to become so angry that it dies as a result its face looks peaceful <laughs> in death however <laughs> what the fuck? oh my god <laughs> The blood vessels in its brain are sturdier than those of other po- Pokemon, so it can stay healthy despite its constant raging. Oh my god. I'm, oh man, I'm remembering Sun Currents is really good because they're just all about how pathetic it is. <laughs> uh, uh, it is very weak. Its only means of defense is to shake its, shake its leaves desperately at its attacker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh it may plummet up from the sky if attacked by a sparrow it will shake it violently shake its leaves uh sunkern tries to move as little as possible as it possibly can it does so because it tries to conserve all the nutrients it has stores in its body for evolution it will not eat a thing subsisting only on morning dew what's the other one oh yeah i was thinking i I like i like all the theories that the pokedex entries are actually the bored ramblings of 10 year olds who are trying to make up stuff to make the professor happy (laughs) i mean that's definitely some of them because a lot of them are about losing your soul but sometimes you get ones that sound like the professor may have had a hand in them because they're just weirdly scientific and morbid spoink bounces Mm -hmm. around on its tail the shock of its bouncing makes its heart pump as a result the pokemon cannot afford to stop bouncing If, if it stops its heart will stop don't let your pig die, children. Oh, man. Yeah. Or, like, uh, but yeah, I remember one of the things that, like, you sometimes get the sense that they had ideas for these things that took very long time. It took a very long time to actually come to fruition. Because, like, the Pokedex entry for. Uh, can find uh, there's uh, okay yeah so like Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire have an entry for Executor that says Executor originally came from the tropics its head steadily grow larger from exposure to sunlight it said that and the heads fall off they group together to form an uh, execute and then there's like another one that's not that far off that like says that they're they were originally much taller, and then it's not until the Alolan form in Pokemon Sun and Moon that they finally actually make good on that. <laughs> and they really do it. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's part of why 
Pokemon tends to kind of stick with people a little better. Is like the art's really good, like they're very appealing in, in general. But like it's also just that if you keep going past the initial design, you get to you read more about your favorite Pokemon. And it's like oh, there's like a sort of little uh, there are aspects of how this creature exists that you can kind of latch on to aside from what you see in the games. Mm. That's why, and that's why we must all uh, think more and more about uh, what evolutionary purposes Rowlet's uh, leaf bow tie serves. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just looking at pictures of Rowlet now. Uh, well, that's always good. The best, the only good grass starter. I'll fight you. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, now we can fight my fire starter against your grass starter. I enjoyed that. <laughs> you never did get me on that. We never did skirmish in Pokemon Black. It's true. <laughs> no, it's fine. We'll just connect to the online service for that and we'll fight. It totally still exists. <laughs> Let's get the show on the road before I get that. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, well, right now I'm still trying to figure out what to play next, personally since it looks like I'm probably not going to be finishing Luigi's Mansion anytime soon, and I'm getting tired of it. Fair enough. You can just play Luigi's Mansion too. <laughs> oh, I mean, I beat that one earlier this year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, like, okay, should I replay something? Should I go through my very dwindling section of, of DS games I haven't actually touched yet? Because some of these are looking like real um, quote-unquote winners. Uh, what they're looking like participants <laughs> yeah so I mean things like I've got Shonen White comic here wow yeah that's that's the game where they found a way of shoehorning in every major Shonen Jump manga series in the last 30 in a 30 year p- period somehow into one game and I'm 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 been kind of curious to see how they managed it, but taking a look at like the second to last page in the game manual and seeing a literal solid text block of copyright. <laughs> I tried to count; it was like seventy or more actual copyright oh my items. God. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, and I've got uh, Tsubasa Reservoir chronicled the game. Oh heavens, that's uh, yeah, that's and, some kind of trouble continuity there. Yeah, I'm sorry about it. Um, and which, that's half what makes it interesting. And I still have copies of Lufia and Glory of, Her- of Heracles and Children of Mana. No, Heroes of Mana. Heroes because I sent oh the RTS one. Yeah. Um, which I picked up for various reasons, not unlike simply they were there. Um, so I should probably try them sometime. And I've got—I even have like one or two old Game Boy Color games I haven't actually tried. At the wow. same time, I just really want to replay the 3DS uh, Maple Story game. Yeah, that's not worse. That's not that's not a bad idea. Yeah, because I I know that one's short and it's silly and cute. Mm-hmm. 
It's just not as good as the DS one. Eh, as long as it scratches the itch, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's got it's got Kung Fu Pandas for NPC second uh, party members. That's always fun. Yeah. Got a pretty good aesthetic and all. Yeah. But I think that kind of runs us out of questions. So. Listeners, vote now on what Gaijin should play next. <laughs> and know we that won't. you will already be playing something by the time your votes have been tallied. <laughs> yeah. So please join in this meaningless vote. Together. Touch now. Okay, that's a joke for no one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I have to reference a uh, cable broadcasting gimmick from the late 1970s, and you have to live with that. Mm-hmm. You love Kube. Available now in the Ohio area. Well, not available now, but available 40 years ago in the Ohio area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I guess uh, comments and questions in the usual spots. Yes, tell us your favorite fire starter in a Pokemon game. Please, someone okay, help or, me shut him down. Or grass starter, <laughs> fine. Water starters are fine as well. Just just don't capitulate to the wheels agenda. Um, yeah, I can find ones have... I like for all three and ones that I absolutely detest for all three. That's fine. That's a good. And a couple I made up myself just for fun. Wheels, why is Indiana Jones on here? Uh, uh, that is the Xbox original Xbox Indiana Jones game. Yeah, Emperor's Tomb. I knew what it was. I wasn't asking that. I was asking why it's here. <laughs> I have a copy. Huh. Didn't think anyone else remembered that that game had happened. No, I actually enjoy that game. It's a yeah, that's fine. See. A not bad, but it's a Tomb Raider solid clone. Solid but unspectacular. Yes, it's a solid Tomb Raider clone, which is hilarious since Tomb Raider kind of riffs on Indiana Jones. I remember, uh, oh man, there was a YouTube video from uh, it's it's on YouTube. The YouTube channel is Game Hub. It's run by the guy who was in charge of Traveler's Tales when the Lego game started. There was a period. Where like they were trying to, they were coming up with ideas for Lego Indiana Jones, and they did can try pitching a Tomb Raider crossover. <laughs> and guess what? LucasArts was pissed. Really? They didn't. They were very upset at the existence of Tomb Raider, which they felt like had had stolen their thunder with Indiana Jones. Oh, jeez. Amazing. But yeah, go go look that up. I'm not recounting it well, but it's easy to find, and it's uh, it's a lot to unpack. <sighs> but otherwise, you know, questions in the usual places, comment uh, comment section, Discord, uh, etc. Yeah, questions, please. We appreciated these questions. We fe- we feasted well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but otherwise, uh, I guess if Wheels is ready to shut this down, my finger is on the mouse. 
I'm ready. Yeah, well, I, I need to go check on the world's cutest co-host to see if she is still breathing because she has been quiet for quite a long time. Ooh. Very well behaved this week. Well. Yes. As in, she's unconscious. Yeah. 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 I want to be the very best Like no one ever was To catch them is my real test To train them is my cause